Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CompuLang podcast. My name is Jacob, and this is the episode for the 7th of December, 2020. I am joined today by my good friend, Troy. Howdy. (laughs) And let's take a look at some of the stories we have today. So um, if you remember back from a couple episodes ago, we were talking about the Coalition for App Fairness, which is a couple of companies that got together and they essentially wanted Apple to reduce the commission that they took out of transactions from the App Store from 30% to, well, they just wanted them to reduce it. I don't think they gave us gave a specific number. But it was a couple of companies altogether, like um, Spotify and ProtonMail, and I think Epic Games might have been involved as well. And from the looks of it, so a story came out um, couple days ago uh, maybe even just over a week ago looks like from the next web there's also an announcement from apple.com and they're going to be lowering their app well it was called an app tax by the coalition for app fairness Um, but it's their commission that they take from transactions they're lowering it from 30 percent to 15 percent for small businesses which is uh, less than a million dollars of proceeds in a year is their definition there so would you consider this a win for the coalition for app fairness Troy? well it's certainly ground made i suppose though to be fair the coalition for app fairness is made up of a bunch of companies that would not qualify for this cut yeah (laughs) so it's a bit like oh yay um honestly i had this wild theory that apple is galaxy braining this right now because Uh so there's these companies right which people there's kind of this anti-consumerism anti-capitalism like vibe going on right now a little bit (laughs) with a lot of people uh but you know these companies have come together and they've created this movement i think a lot of people agree with at least on the surface and apple giving the the little guy the the this cut might draw away any like active or a lot of active support for the coalition moving forward right because it's like well they got what they wanted so they have no more stakes anymore yeah so it it will be interesting to see because yeah apple like galaxy braining it or something like that because obviously all these companies were trying to be like oh my goodness apple's being such a monopoly you know we're just these poor little companies you know Mm -hmm. just trying to make our way and here these are obviously some of the biggest apps on the app store right like spotify is freaking huge um but then apple comes back with this and they're like yeah we'll reduce it by half if you make less than a million dollars which is going to take all of yeah (laughs) all the popular (laughs) support away yeah yeah, I don't I don't see very many like indie app developers making over a million dollars, right? And yeah. definitely not that's not gonna make up the majority of the, you know, civilian support for the coalition for app fairness. Yeah. I do appreciate the if... move though. I do appreciate oh, the yeah. cut for small businesses because I think that's important to get them off the ground. Oh, definitely. I wonder if Google's gonna hit back with something different or with something similar, uh rather. Um because obviously now apple is gonna kind of have a, a little edge there in the yeah for, though 
apps that make less than that was one thing i noticed because looking at the coalition for app fairness's website they're all like apple 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 and they even say if consumers want to use a modern mobile device apple levies a tax that no one can avoid no competition no options no recourse right and uh or wait was that the thing i was looking at oh no Apple takes 30% of the purchase price. No other transaction fee in any industry comes close. Doesn't Google take 30%? Yes. In their app store? Yeah, exactly. So, I'd... Which is literally their direct competitor. <laughs> yeah. And they're trying to paint Apple as this sort of like huge monopoly. And here Android has like 70% plus of the mobile, uh, mobile device market. So yes. they kind of seem to be like aiming in the wrong direction if you ask Yeah, me. they're kind of picking on Apple for, I mean... Maybe maybe there's a personal grudge in there somewhere, but yeah, it, it seems like I don't know if they're trying to like make things like more clear for people by having just like one enemy instead of two or something. That could be it. But it, it, it seems of. like they should be attacking Google too, because Google has the. I mean, that quote right there that I just said is just blatantly wrong because Google also yeah. tag, or commissions thirty percent. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and I think not only are they a direct competitor, they are the largest competitor in the market. You're kind of overlooking oh seventy percent or so of the market there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I am curious to see if Google retaliates because their current strategy has been well, we allow third party app stores on our devices, right? So we 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 allow competition on our devices, and so we don't need to you know cut down on our on our commission. Yeah. Um... I know I have a third-party app store installed, but the amount of apps that I have installed from that third-party app store is about, like, two. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's still, if not a complete monopoly, effectively a monopoly, or very closely to, like, as far as, like, which app store gets all the traffic. It's like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all about looking good on paper. Oh, of course. Right, because, I mean... No doubt about that. It, like like a lot of the or like uh, an article that we'll be talking about later a lot of people don't care about this a whole lot they just don't think about it they're like oh yeah i'll just drink the apple kool-aid or the google kool-aid and live yeah. live my life well apple protects my privacy <laughs> all right well that was uh apple cutting its app store commission from 30 percent to 15 percent and um, let's move on just a bit to our next story from the BBC. As always, links in the either the description or the show notes, depending on where you're listening to this. Um, and we have this story from the BBC uh, about... So the UK has approved the Pfizer vaccine uh, for COVID-19. Still in the middle of a pandemic over here. And, um, uh, at, and the, Australian Aust- uh, the Australian airline... Qantas? I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Is it Qantas or Qantas? No clue. Proposed a immunization passport. Um, article didn't get too much into the dirty details, but pretty much the idea is that you have some something to like verify that you have been immunized against COVID-19 or something, <laughs> and then they without that proof without that evidence they wouldn't allow you on their airline obviously this is not implemented yet they've just proposed this um (laughs) troy what do you think the privacy implications are for something of 
something like an immunization passport. <laughs> yeah, well, it really depends on what form it takes because there's been a lot of propositions out there for something similar like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, digital, non-digital, whatever. And it it is a question of it is a question of you know, health record security and how much you put out there because uh, at one part, one of in this article somebody suggested having all of your vaccines listed out in some app or something so you just have them all there and you know when they expire which like sounds good right but convenience always comes at the cost of security of course right Mm -hmm. Uh, as is our is the old adage and so it's there's definitely a concern i think if it's just limited to if you have the vaccine or not i'm not i'm not sure how much of like your privacy that gets into besides like the other fact or the other kind of major problem with this is the worry that there's going to be i hesitate to say like discrimination but just like unequal impacts on certain groups uh the article says disproportionate impact on some Mm -hmm. groups because we know that uh some groups of people have been more severely impacted by this pandemic Mm -hmm. right and most certainly the vaccine is going to go to certain groups of people at a higher rate than others right Mm -hmm. because of access because of uh any types of priority things like that and so that is another main concern is how it will have these disproportionate impacts Mm -hmm. yeah I, I'm just thinking back to when I used to work at a software company that made software that um, was used in the medical field. And one of our big concerns is this law in the U.S. called HIPAA. I can't remember what the acronym stands for, but essentially it's it's like health information privacy. Actually, that might be what it stands for. Um, <laughs> but like, like your personally identifiable health information uh, is has to be secured according to this law um i'm not a lawyer i don't know the dirty details of this law but i know for a fact that something like your vaccination records is definitely not something that we can just throw around willy-nilly um that's definitely something that needs to be protected that's personal health information um and if you just now all of a sudden you have that on your phone and you have to show that to like random people to get on an airplane that just seems to me like an unnecessary um uh, unnecessary like divulging of your personal health information now admittedly they could do something like okay so instead of saying yeah okay you have the covid vaccine you have the polio vaccine you have your whatever vaccine um, you know, you got your flu vaccine this year. Good job. We'll allow you on on board the plane. Instead of saying something like that, they might just say like, okay, here's like a QR code and it'll just, you know, hit an API that says eligible or ineligible or something like that. Yeah. But it's, it's still now it, you're still going to have to upload your like there's going to be even more parties along the line that have access to this information now. And it just doesn't seem entirely necessary to me. And like you have been saying over multiple podcast episodes now, convenience always comes at the expense of security and this is or, or privacy. And this is definitely one of those cases. Definitely. 
Yeah. All right. So <laughs> we have an airline trying to propose an immunization passport, and that's not necessarily so cool. But then we have this fun story over from The Guardian <laughs> where um, a software developing uh, software development company or a software engineer rather set up a, a company formally known as double quote greater than sign less than sign script source equals and then a web address limited which for anyone who's familiar with JavaScript and HTML that is a textbook example of a XXS payload cross-site scripting payload um, the company was legally named this and it was legally allowed because all of those characters were legal uh, characters to have as a company identifier but they have been forced to change their name <laughs> uh, what do you think about this Troy yeah it's well and they changed the name to that company whose name used to contain HTML script tags limited <laughs> uh, which is quite funny all caps um, yeah it's <laughs> it, it's just really funny what people will try and do with putting putting code where it doesn't belong yeah oh my goodness it's yeah that right like those um, those videos of people who will put like sql injection commands on their license plates so when they <laughs> get uh tagged by a, a red light camera it will delete that entry from the table or it'll drop it drop that table well i mean that's the idea oh but... yeah <laughs> used to work now it's a bit harder yeah um so it mentioned in the article that similar company names have been registered in the past, one of which was an SQL injection type name, like a semicolon drop table companies limited. <laughs> um, but I, I was really interested actually about this quote at the very end of the article. It says, a company's house spokesperson said, a company was registered using characters that could have presented a security risk to a small number of our customers if published on unprotected external websites. We have taken immediate steps to mitigate this risk and, risk and have put measures in place to prevent a similar occurrence. We are confident that companies' house services remain secure. And I just find it absolutely hilarious that they decided that naming your company this with legal characters to name your company was a security risk. And therefore, it's not the onus of the unsecured website owners to secure their website to support this name but no it's the responsibility of the person behind this company to literally change their name yeah yeah i'm not sure what the that just seems backwards I'm, yeah i'm not sure what the like legal uh underbelly of this whole thing is right because if company's house is providing like a, a database of businesses that other uh customers can like access right for the information to you know do whatever with you know what mm -hmm. uh what agreements have been made and what liabilities there are and stuff i'll have to ask someone from the uk yeah so any of you uk well, listeners out there uh yeah. <laughs> email in to <laughs> oh yes please we always look forward to that now uh, you can i mean let's see i guess if you wanted to email you could send an email to info at keyclaunch.net uh, i don't have an email set up for the podcast specifically yet but yep um all right that's it for that little fun story um and then the last one we're going to cover today is this blog post from sneak.berlin 
It's entitled, Your Computer Isn't Yours. And it pretty much is talking about something that happened a couple weeks ago with Apple computers, where they just wouldn't launch any applications. So Troy, do you want to go get into a little bit about why this was happening? Sure. So basically, uh, what the what Mac iOS has been doing that causes is uh, it will update Apple with every application you launch uh, with its like application hash, which is a unique identifier to the application. And usually, up until that point, it was always fast enough and discreet enough to where nobody would notice. But apparently, when that happened, the server was quite slow and it didn't. It wasn't fast enough, and so everybody's apps failed to open uh, because because of this tracking of your data. Yeah. So pretty much, your Mac was relying on these Apple servers to return back fast enough uh, that they could still open the application without uh, anybody noticing and. To me, like the simple solution to this problem, like from Apple's perspective, and make this less noticeable too, would just be have that request that have that um, telemetry request, I suppose you'd call it, be sent out asynchronously. So the application launches and you send out the request, but you don't wait for it to come back before you launch the application. Well, right? the problem with that is they're, they're Apple's quote-unquote reason for doing this is so that they can check to see if an application you're trying to launch might be a security risk right that that's their whole they it's about security right uh for them and so in that case they couldn't let the app start before getting back with whether or not it's a security risk because you know if it was then oh oops (laughs) we already let it begin yeah so Okay, I hear that, but also it does say that it fails silently if you're offline, which, and and if it fails silently, that means they're not warning you. So it's not like uh, Apple's going to pop up and say, you're offline, we can't check to make sure this executable isn't malicious. You know, it just fails silently. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, HTTP uh, issue that we covered a week or two ago. Remember oh yeah, just it would just downgrade silently or upgrade silently, yeah. whichever it can access easiest. Um, but yeah, so you know that that's you know I think we've caused a lot of people to kind of raise an eyebrow at this, like uh, this blog poster did. Yeah, well, what do you know? Um, yet another case of well, is this convenience trumping security, or is this is just is this just trumping security security <laughs> trumping security uh security trumping security, no, security, <laughs> security is trumping it? privacy maybe yeah well because um, you know and like a- a- apple's uh announced afterwards that uh it's like in response to the you know people being like hey what is up with this they're like deleting the ip logs uh encrypting communication between mac os and apple and uh giving users an option of disabling the online checks um, which solves some of the problems. There's still other problems to where there's other communications that aren't being encrypted. Like I think there's something about your iMessages being backed up to Apple's cloud and that mm-hmm. not being encrypted or like going with the key and so anybody could decrypt them. Um, also, you know, these like the option for like disabling these online checks 
right? Like a lot of those types of settings are very hard for people to find and people just usually don't even know about yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I like, I'm not super familiar with Macs, but I know that obviously windows 10 is known for spying on people. And I've seen entire guides, like pages long blog posts of how to make how to stop your windows 10 from phoning home and you have to go into all these different settings and edit register keys and in control panel and all this different stuff it's it's a whole deal yeah and it's this is kind of a wider spread issue of do you own the technology that you're using right because yes you own the physical hardware but what about the software right because that's still getting like updates from the company right it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, do you, you know, purchase every update, right? Because that keeps your computer like secure against like threats that come up, right? Or, mm-hmm. but since you don't, you know, it's, um, there, there's something with, um, I remember something with Tesla, um, with their, with their new cars, cause they have like a whole OS, right? And they like have their self driving right. things and everything. And they would purpose, like, that is planned to, have like this like base right and then people would be able to like purchase like additional add-ons to the software if i remember correctly right so like all of the capability of the car is in there but some of it is locked away when you purchase it so that you can buy it later ah yes yes i i'm subscribed to the car that i bought (laughs) yeah right and so it's with the you know there's there's hardware and there's software right and because they're not they both require each other right mm-hmm. but while you while you have the physical hardware the software can be accessed by these companies because they made it and there's so much under yeah. the hood and i mean you can't turn it off right and you're only mm-hmm. limited to what is available and so it's right. it's a big question yeah well on that note um why don't we move into our discussion topic for today so we're going to depart from the news stories of the day and just talk more generally about operating systems and the question of like privacy versus usability and security and all that and obviously we all know that there's the two main contenders on the market there's windows and there's mac and some of you may know that there's Linux as well, which is often brought up as a possibly viable third alternative to the traditional, you know, pair of ever-warring operating system uh, competitors. Um, but yeah, as a as a programmer, Troy, if if you could just have your pick of whatever operating system you want, you know, what would you what would you just use by default? Well. That's a difficult question. Very, very, very complex question you just asked me, Jacob, because it really, number one, it, it really depends on who you are and what you're using it for. Uh, and number two, so the operating systems that I've used mostly are Windows and Linux, right? Mm-hmm. Windows for my personal machines mostly, and then Linux mostly at work, and then I will also, um, use the linux subsystem that's built into windows as well um yeah i use that all the time yeah it's great i love it one of the best parts of well windows is linux Uh, Linux. (laughs) but anyway um so to me 
you know, I, number one, I guess, like, I, I'm very cognizant of, like, things are collecting my data all the time, right, and, mm-hmm. like, security and things like that. I, I personally haven't really done a whole lot to combat that. Um, I definitely not as like active against that as like I expect you are, uh, just from our previous <laughs> conversations. And so I, for me personally, I'm perfectly fine using Windows mostly because it has the support and the and capabilities that Linux doesn't. So basically, just to take an example, right? Like video games, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a big one. Almost any like you know it's pc gamers right and pc implies windows right windows by Mm -hmm. far has the biggest like game libraries just about any game you can play on a computer you can play on windows right what are you telling me you don't game on your macbook (laughs) uh if i had one i probably wouldn't uh but yeah but then like mac running crisis on your paper thin laptop (laughs) yeah well mac and uh linux don't have as much support and like there is i believe there is a a steam client on linux but i don't believe you can run all the games on steam Mm -hmm. on linux right so that immediately like Mm -hmm. if you want a computer for gaming you pretty much always get windows right and there's not a whole lot of other choice just because of the availability of games you can play now if you know that the only games that you want to play are all available on linux then i mean go for it but um Mm. yeah and then also for me there's some good releases of linux out there right that are pretty well polished um Mm -hmm. and are pretty well put together um but they none of them have the support or the backing that like windows does yeah. right like when windows has huge development teams working on it constantly and like yeah sometimes they mess up <laughs> windows 8 <laughs> um but <laughs> vista <laughs> yeah well you know that was too long ago jacob most of the Emmy. listeners don't know what Vista was <laughs> uh, keep going back <laughs> but but anyway and so you know from from a security standpoint that's good right because it can respond overall quicker to security risks Right now, I will say Windows Ooh. is a bl- bit bloated, so they probably have more security risks than Linux. Honestly, um, I don't have anything to back that up. That's just my guess. But um, yeah, so I I do really like Linux as a development platform. Right, if I'm doing programming, mm-hmm. I want to do it on Linux. Yeah, definitely, Sam. Right, but if I'm mm-hmm. like Absolutely. gaming, I want to do I I want to use Windows. Right, if I'm, you know doing normal everyday stuff right like changing a word document or looking at my email it doesn't really matter and mm-hmm. so i haven't even talked about book yeah sorry for rambling uh you haven't gotten many words in edge rise but <laughs> i haven't said anything about mac and that's because number one i have barely used Macs, and number two i'm sure there's great things about Macs and apple I personally have stayed away because I know the, like, I have seen the kind of, like, Apple vacuum that happens, right? Because Apple has designed all of their yeah. devices to work together and only with each other, right? Yeah, so once you get absolutely. one Apple device, the only way to, like, improve the technology around you is to get more Apple devices. Yeah, 
I mean, they all work together, but the problem is they only work together, more or less. Yeah, so, it's a great yeah. business strategy because it, <laughs> it sounds good for your customers. And then once you get new customers, they're hooked in, right? Because it's so mm-hmm. difficult to get out of it and have the same ease of functionality in your life. So that's right. the like, primary reason why I've stayed away from Mac. Yeah, like who who has an Apple Watch and then they go and run around with their, you know, HP laptop. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I that that's what been one of the big things for me as well that's kept me away from Apple is well, first of all, there's the premium tax because Apple products that's are seen true. as for the elite and so they <laughs> jack up the price a little bit um not not saying they're not good devices they're definitely good good quality devices but yeah it's the whole suck of the apple ecosystem if you want if you're in one you kind of have to or you want to be in them all um and then as far as windows versus linux goes yeah the two biggest areas that i've noticed that or at least the areas that i use like the the different um types of software that I use on my computer uh, that are lacking in Linux are that are present on Windows are the uh, media production. So mm. basically the Adobe suite. Yep. And then like you mentioned before games, but like totally the media production software that's available for Windows just blows everything that's available for Linux out of the water with the possible exception of Blender. Blender is kind of like that gold nugget of soft of media production software that is available on Linux, but like the Adobe suite kind of the gold standard for just about <laughs> every single piece of media production you could think of, you know, um, Adobe Photoshop, Premiere Pro, After Effects, Audition, they, they cover basically, um, video, audio images, um, and, you know the whole nine yards they have tons and tons of different applications and lots of them are only available for windows and mac so those are i i really don't see myself anytime in the future not having a windows box um Mm. but i could see myself always only having one windows box and having the rest be linux because it's so much easier to use so much better for privacy you really control everything that your computer knows about you everything that it's doing who it's contacting behind your back um yeah and it's just great for programming so yeah and so uh, and and the game games on linux are getting better (laughs) yeah they're still not there um they're still not there yeah yeah uh, a couple things number one what one of the big things for apple you know one somebody who would want to get a mac is uh apple is by far the premium in music production right Mm. i don't think any artist uses anything other than a mac to produce music because the soft the like state-of-the-art software to do that is supported on apple um and so like that's just another example of like what suits your needs right and yeah i'll say uh yeah you know like for me right windows with a linux subsystem works great because i can use the subsystem for uh, any like developing I need to do or things like that. And I also mm-hmm. have windows. Um, eventually I would like to get a separate Linux machine. I'm just not at that point yet, but it, the, <laughs> I think the big thing um, of like, if we're talking like 
Windows and Mac versus Linux is what you said, where on Linux, you have a lot more control over like how your computer like runs even and like the security and who it's contacting and stuff. However, Mm -hmm. that comes with the burden of required knowledge, right? You know how to do all that stuff on Linux, (laughs) whereas a lot of people don't and they don't want to learn how to do that because they don't care about that. Now, you, you know, we could have the discussion of if they should be caring about that privacy, right? Um, which yes. both of us would say, yes, you should. But it it takes a lot of learning and knowledge and doing to actually care about it, right? Like you said, that one Windows security uh, step-by-step guide was pages and pages long, right? And so for the most for most of the general populace, Mac and Windows, they like having all of that hidden away from them because they just don't want to deal yeah. with it and they are content in their ignorance. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? Like if you if you don't care about that that part of your technology, that's perfectly fine, right? But mm-hmm. I I think at the very least it's important to know that that's the choice you're making. Yeah, it's really that struggle between uh, well, it's of of trying to get someone to care about something that they have probably never seen or experienced and don't know is affecting them in a bad way, right? Yeah, it, it, that's we're fighting an uphill battle because the you know data collection companies have successfully integrated their their services, so to speak into so many aspects of our everyday digital lives that you you don't even notice they're there most of the time and so people just don't care yeah well and like i mean and the sad thing is is that like you know the the best the best way to confront this problem is to just make people aware of it and have people act accordingly because it's not going to stop right Mm -hmm. these companies are making most of their profits off of selling data right like, yeah, mm-hmm. they sell the machine that you're using, sure. But is that the majority of their profits? No. Yeah, probably not. Well, good things to keep in mind. All right. I think that'll probably wrap up that portion of this conversation and also this episode of the CompuLang podcast. I'd like to thank all of y'all so much for spending this last half hour with us. Thank you, Troy, for joining me in this conversation, talking about security, privacy, and operating systems. Always a pleasure, Jacob. Yeah. And I guess we will uh, talk at y'all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Goodbye.